0: great to be here. Always beautiful weather in Wangaratta. I've um, been coming up here a fair bit lately. So uh, part of my role at the BUV is actually running this new organisation called Grassroots Placemakers, which is a, a subsidiary company set up by the, the Baptist Union in order to undertake some of our activities we've been doing in the placemaking area. Uh, so so um, yeah, it's a privilege to, to uh, be running this uh, this new organisation called Grassroots Placemakers. Why do the BUV e set this up. We're living in an interesting world, interesting times, and I guess every generation says that. But um, I think we could argue that certainly uh, our era here, um, the, the rapid change that's taken place is uh, is quite extraordinary. We're uh, right in the middle of what they call the digital disruption, and uh, it's uh, quite phenomenal when you look at some of these. Uh, these things up here, hey, the, the world's largest taxi company is Uber and they own no taxis. The world's largest accommodation provider is Airbnb. They own no real estate, no hotels. It goes on and on. Facebook down there, who's on Facebook? Is anyone on Facebook? Most people. You're probably better off without it. Um, <laughs> uh, so Facebook's the most popular media, media owner. They own no content they rely on everyone else providing content for them. So interesting times. Um, the, the last uh, great disruption, arguably, was uh, probably electricity. I think that changed changed the shape of how we sort of do society. And uh, maybe before that, I reckon, you know, you could go back to um, perhaps the printing press. The way that changed things back in you know 15th century, I would imagine. The way literacy grew after that, and you know, we got access to to Bibles and different things like that. So, Netflix, the world's largest movie house, knows no cinema. So that just gives you a bit of a, an idea of you know what crazy times we're living in. The church is an extraordinary organism that's survived the last uh, two thousand years. We've uh, been lucky enough, I, I guess, to have the Holy Spirit to to lead us in regeneration and, and renewal because um, there's not many um, organisms or or organisations that manage to survive that, that sort of time frame. But I think what's happened is that uh, the Holy Spirit's always put in place people and pioneers and communities who are willing to do something a bit different, who are willing to read the signs of the time and understand where society's at and how we can listen to the Spirit in order to... Have a look at what's going on, not necessarily go with it all the time, but certainly um, at times embrace that. But but the most important thing is to discern what's happening, Um, be committed to, uh, as a group of people following Jesus, how do we make Jesus known constantly? And so at the BUV, we've we've been looking at these things. So this is a bit crass, it's talking about revenue and time, but I think you get the point, this idea that um, you have like this innovation curve and, and often you get to a point and you plateau with most organisations and and probably the church in, included in that at, at this stage so you plateau and, you, and once you get to that to that peak and plateau you either sort of say to yourself we're going to reinvent again for the next innovation curve or we're just going to plateau and drop off and I think there's a number of um, different organisations where you say the, the most famous one I think was uh uh, Kodak, in 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 the sense of a company, they they were huge. Everyone would have had a Kodak camera at some point. Um, and basically, they said, no, nah, no, nah, film's never going to be a problem. We'll uh, we'll keep going with that. Um, had plenty of opportunities to innovate on digital technology and all that sort of stuff, but decided not to do that. And uh, who owns a Kodak today? <laughs> so I think I think it's been important for us over many many centuries, as the church, to keep thinking about. Where is that next wave of the Holy Spirit taking us? Where 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 are we where are we going forward? And um and then it takes brave Christians to give up their uh, their peace and quiet at times or uh, their their comfort zones in order to do something different. But and so this is this is always my, one of my favorite cartoons to to show. Yes to innovation, no to change. <laughs> we only have two demands. Why don't people just give us what we want? Ch- change is difficult um, because often with change um, there's loss, and people fear loss and grieve loss. But um, I think most of the time, in any change management that um, I've gone through, the, if you can sort of highlight the benefits up front about where this change and, and how the change, yes, it's, things are going to are going to change, but the loss. Actually, isn't too much. What we gain is going to be so much more, and so that's that's important for us to to remember as we're as we're pushing through that. So this is part of the reason why uh, the BUV's made uh, started this uh, separate organisation owned by the BUV. But um, as we're doing work in the community, I I quite often and I'll go through some of the examples that we're doing. But um, so we've got the the placemaking happening happening at Swan Court at the moment. But uh, another angle that grassroots placemakers is uh, with uh, developers in greenfield sites on Melbourne's fringe. And so if you go to these developers and say, hey, we're the church, we're here to help. Unfortunately, for for most people, they they think the church. Geez, isn't that? like um, a pedophile ring or something like that you know this is the sort of media that gets thrown out about the church these days and this is what we're up against so, so here we are saying yes we're the church we're here to help but you've got all this negative media going on saying that you know the church is, um, is uh, archaic it's backward it's um, you know all, all sorts of issues going on with it so sometimes you just need to change your tack a little bit and then people see see the church for what it really has to offer so that's um, that's part of grassroots. So I just want to quickly um, talk a little bit about some of our theological assumptions when we're starting to do our our work in the in the mission catalyst team. So we're at, at the BUV. We we're into continually you know church planting, like you you would have known um, for for many years. Um, the idea of you know 20 or 30 people going off planting a new worship service and and doing that sort of thing. So we're still supporting that but we realise that there's a spectrum of, of um, initiatives in order to advance the kingdom of God which is our primary purpose. Um, placemaking is one of those initiatives. It's sort of if you have a spectrum of what we've done in the past to where we're going in the future, placemaking is probably more up, up this end in, and, and then we've got these social enterprises that we're doing which I'll, I'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, the basic theological assumption is uh, the Missio Dei. Does everyone know what I mean when I say the Missio Dei as, as, as our basic theological assumption? Because this, I guess, is driving our, our, our whole mission. So basically, it, it's the, the, the God of mission, the God who is sent and sends. Uh, Jesus is sent. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends the church. We're, we're, we're sent. We're on mission. God is, God is a God of mission and and uh the other thing that comes with this is the assumption the assumption that god actually exists outside the church and christians when i was growing up you you come to church on sunday and it was that's where god was you know god god was with the christians and god was in was in the church and the big bad world out there was something we're trying to escape from we'll go out to it every now and then and try and convert people but essentially we're, we've got our holy huddle, and, and that's really important. We'll bring as many people in as we can. So, if, if, you, if your assumption is missio day, which uh, David Bosch, the great missiologist in the, in the uh, early 80s, sort of declared with um, uh, under, understanding some of this theology again um, that had been hidden in the church for quite some time. So, if your understanding is missio day, God is already at work. And we, the church, get the opportunity to engage with God in his creation, in his world. So when you've got the church and the empire very close together, so so mission used to be about land grabs, you know. Even um, the great British empire came to Australia and there was this understanding that Australia was terra nullius. Nothing here, nothing of, of worth here. But imagine if they, they come to this shore and say, "Where is God already at work in this place?" And how do we tap into that? Where are the signs of life? And the other great assumption with this is that um, everyone does have some sense of God. There's the, you can't hold that um, idea of utter depravity. <laughs> you know, we are born sinful, and you know we need Jesus to save us from our sins. The, the assumption is that we are born in the image of God. We are fallen and need Jesus. It's a massive difference in your perspective and how you go about doing mission work. So, so um, my understanding of Missio Day leads to a, a kingdom of God that is all around us with so many possibilities to tap into. Everywhere, you walk out your front door. Wow. Here we go. Everything's integrated, and that leads us to a theology of place. Once again, the, you know, we had a theology that talked about. I, I remember clearly being at church and someone saying to me, "We we've gone on a, an outing, I think, down to the beach, and there's rubbish on the beach, and you know, a couple of people are picking it up." And I clearly remember one of the leaders saying, "What are you doing that for? Don't you know God's making a new earth? Why would you pick up this rubbish now?" So there's no sense of integration that we're to care for the earth as it is now, because the the new earth is a renewing of this earth. It's not some new earth that's going to come by, you know, magically appear out of nowhere. The, the, this this is our creation. This on earth, as it is in heaven, this is what we're playing with now. So that's why it's important to to care for the earth and to preserve what we have for our, our generations to come. So. To, to love the earth, to love our place, to not dominate it and spoil it because something else is to come is bad theology. So th- this is, these are the theological assumptions. So, so in that sense, we, 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 are, we are drawn to a place. We are born in a place. We live in a place. You, you people are placed in Wangaratta. We placed the Blue Males in uh, Swan Court. And to, to understand your place is so important important and that, that's where you begin to love the people, the, the ground, the earth, what you can grow, what you can't grow. All these things that we need to be mindful of as, as Christians I think in order to, to make good mission practice. Just quickly um, I want to just highlight places versus spaces. So this is not about a new way to get people into your church on Sunday but how Can we use the spaces we have available to create places which encourage relational life, help us to listen better as we work together for our neighbourhood's common good, as spirit-empowered citizen's breathing kingdom life into streets and neighbourhoods? So um, I've spent um, many of my years at BUV going around uh, different churches and and went on some study tours and different things just to to see how um, church buildings can be used as um, places of neighbourhood rather than just... You'd be surprised how many buildings are built as churches and uh, are only used on Sunday when when they can potentially be these really great community assets that are full of life and doing all different sorts of things. Um, and so I think there's a real shift coming across our uh, union of 240-odd churches across Victoria about seeing our, our church as different. The other thing that it helps with is to to help us to continue to understand that we are the church who meet in this building that we somehow call the church as well. Mm. I, I think when you start to make your buildings more multi-purpose, community focused, you, you, you get less of that idea of um, creating a holy huddle and, and, and you get, I, I think, more empowered to be that, that church, that body of people that go out and um, realise that uh, Monday is just as important as Sunday. I just wanted to, uh, Jane asked if I could bring some examples of uh, different things that are going on around the place. So this is a project that I've been working on for quite some time. So I work, part part of my uh, wage is um, paid by BAPT Care um, and and part by BUV. So um, it's great, um, you know, a, a foot in both camps. The problem is that sometimes you start doing the splits and it can hurt at times but it's very important that people are holding attention. Um So BAPC is a massive welfare organisation, ma- massive, you know, um, thousands of employees, you know, millions in, in turnover. Um, <coughs> so uh, this is our first attempt at what we call an integrated community. So here you see um, the idea of a 90-bed residential aged care facility. There's a big community hub there on the right and uh, there's a better picture of it there as it's sort of currently... Looks so. In, in context, I, I used to be the minister of the Norlane Baptist Church, which is a a, um, a working class suburb in Geelong. Geelong's a pretty sort of middle class place, but the the north side was um, sort of founded around industry. You had Ford, and in, back in the day, International Harvester, all these sorts of industries, and um, and these industries did wonderful work, um, employing people and, and creating housing, and you had these amazing communities that people lived in and they all knew each other they worked with each other you know it's place making 101 and um as the industries have moved out uh so is the wealth and the money and um and what you get left with is some some really tired looking housing and um people unfortunately into like fourth generation of um you know, uh, dependence on welfare um and so these these places like Norlane have become effectively uh places where um we we just dump undesirable people who can't really afford to live anywhere else so to build something like this in the middle when i first became the minister at norlane in 2005 i i was blown away i'd i'd moved um i'd moved into the neighborhood and and um we we were quite fearful because there was like 30 arson attacks in the first 6 months that we lived there all these little weatherboard houses were being set on fire and we, we what the heck is going on here? So, um, to think that our denomination fifteen years on would have made a forty million dollar investment, including some government funding, into Norlane to to create a building like this, it's quite extraordinary. <coughs> so that's a ninety bed aged care facility um, that um the bit up the top there. And every single one of those beds is uh concessional. So if you've lived in Norlane all your life and don't own your house you can go straight into um, aged care in Norlane without a bond. How wonderful is that? That's the kingdom of God, isn't it? Um, Then there's the big uh, community hub on the side and we also uh, built 52 affordable houses over the back. You can sort of just see over the back. There's there's quite a bit of land that um, we bought up in in the first place and those 52 affordable houses are, are filled once again with people who can't really afford market rent. Um, So they've got brand new houses all um, designed to disabled spec and um, the community hub and the residential aged care are about to open in a couple of weeks' time, fantastic. This is the West Melbourne Baptist Church, otherwise known as the Eighth Day and that used to be a little house and a petrol station once the Bluestone building got uh, torn down. Has anyone ever been to West Melbourne Baptist Church in their life? No uh so it's just on the fringe of north melbourne there um and so they had a an idea of um building a nice sustainable building where where um people could come and live once again there's a mix of affordable housing in there and that uh, brick archway that you can see at the front there leads into the the brand new purpose built hall where they have church services but it's used throughout the week for um different community initiatives in in west melbourne um and you've got a ready made community living i think from memory there were 60 apartments that were, were built on there and and as you can see um really nice design it looks more like a campus so every uh every apartment has um a corridor that faces out so that you you have to sort of engage with your neighbors we're now looking at um some of our other inner city churches that have very expensive uh land <laughs> Um and, and how we can um work on that the the uh airspace above it to create community. So so we're we're working with a developer at the moment who's um who's got an idea that there's not gonna be a laundry in any, any of the apartments. There'll only be um communal laundries. And people in the inner city are sort of okay with this. They're they're usually a bit weird anyway, so so you have to go and share a laundry and get to know your neighbour. And then then there's communal spaces. So so a wise person once said to me, the only communities that work are communities of necessity. So if you set up a building like this and create a lovely common space, people might use it and they'll connect a bit. But it's not a necessity for them to, to connect. If you've got to all wash your clothes and meet together, that's the necessity, washing your clothes. So that's the way you actually bind communities together. Commun- the only communities that work are communities of necessity. There's uh, Bernard and uh, Linda there at, down at Swan Court. So as I said at the start, they did a wonderful job just being the presence of God in in amongst them. And, and I'd imagine that you guys are, are very aware that it's at times it's been a very difficult little neighbourhood, Swan Court. Um, so to have people incarnating into there um, has been just such a blessing for um for the area, and and that flows on to broader Wangaratta. If you've got uh, the people at Swan Court who are living well and and doing okay, that affects the rest of the community. We we try and help at the back end. Um, so so we'll be we'll be thinking uh, more broadly as uh, grassroots placemakers how we help get employment for people because we know that the best way to um, get past uh, welfare dependency and all that sort of stuff is to have something to do, some employment. So these are the sorts of things that we're looking at. Even the community garden there was, I think was really important for, for people to just get a sense of doing something, having something to do. We, we're really looking forward to finding the replacements for Bernard and Linda. So if anyone wants to talk to me after the service today, I, I could do an altar call now, you know, otherwise um, come and come and speak to me quietly <laughs> afterwards this is some of the um some of the work we're doing on the uh on the fringes of uh melbourne is just growing like you wouldn't believe there, there's just um housing popping up everywhere and um so so the the old way of um thinking about it would be let's try and get a whole bunch of money together and buy a, a plot of land so that we can uh build a church on it eventually you know a church a church building um so we've just been trying to think a little bit more creatively, and so we've used the placemaking principles. Um, so this, um, at one stage, and probably it might still be, um, this was the fastest growing development in the Southern Hemisphere from from um, memory, or at least in Australia. And what we did is um, went as grassroots placemakers to the developers and said, we we want to we want to help out. You know, um, so placemaking comes from an urban design sort of concept. That we've put a community development framework through it, and said to the developers, "You're building all these buildings. This one, this infrastructure. What are you doing to build community? You know, you you can you can build it and hope they'll come, Kevin Costner style. You remember that movie? Build it and they will come. Or you can you can build with the intent of um, making it for people." So, so you master plan these things and, geez, they look wonderful from that, master, from that bird's eye view, don't they? But how do they actually activate on the ground? How do people actually come together and do stuff? This is a really good design, this one. It's been built around parks and we've got a guy named John O'Ingram who came from uh, Granite Baptist Church, um, moved down with his wife Katie and, and we basically said to the developers, we're buying two houses and we're going to do placemaking. And we're going to and, and these people are going to live in the community, live in the neighbourhood, and if you if you give us some money, as the developer, we'll we'll do some placemaking for you. We'll do you know your social media presence. We'll run events. We'll do all sorts of things. And the best part is that they're not going to run home at the end of the day like you, the rest of your marketing team. They're living there. And they thought, well, that sounds all right. That sounds all right. So so we ended up um, in a three way partnership. So John O'Ingram, Ingram, our, our placemaker at Woodley there, is employed by us at the BUV under grassroots placemaking. Um, uh, the developer, Woodley, Mervac, um, are employing him and the local council are putting money in. So he's a full-time placemaker in this new development doing all sorts of wonderful things. And so uh, we, we're in there. There's the beginning of a new suburb called Aintree, effectively that at its very foundations has had Christian presence flowing throughout all the community activities that are taking place. Some of the things they get up to, pizza nights, school holiday things. There's, there's Johnny there with the big beard. So he goes around with the the uh, development manager handing out the, the welcomes, uh, Christmas lights, all these sorts of things that are going on. That's at the back of the sales centre. He's got a wonderful community garden going there, one of their community pizza nights happening. And, and it's master planned around um, several different parks. So they're going to empower a, a facilitator for each neighbourhood around a park. So so you've got this sort of micro-democracy sound to take place. So it's really good stuff. Let's give you an example of what some of the other churches are doing. Um, so d- down at Torquay, they've just built um, recently this wonderful early learning centre. It's put them um, right at the heart of the community. There's so many families that are going in and out. Didn't take them much to build, it's on the church property um, it was built modular and um, so the, the engagement they now have with um, you know over 300 families that they wouldn't have had without this initiative is, is quite extraordinary the Anglesea Baptist Church they don't have a, a church building <laughs> they, they, um, they worship in the Uniting Church building it's a beautiful little chapel if you ever get a chance to, to go down there But um, so their main real estate is right in the high street with an amazing op shop once again if you're down at anglesey and get a chance it's yeah it's um it's quite extraordinary it's so full of stuff like i just go in there and it's like oh what a nightmare but people people love it (laughs) and they've got like a a ministry center set up in the middle of that now where if you're wanting to pray you can you can go in there and you know there's a dedicated room for that this is the now not yet cafe as i said you know in talking about that spectrum we uh We're needing to be engaged, I think, at every level. Once again, God's already at work. How do we tap into that? So this is the main street of Warrandyte. Now and not yet, it's a not-for-profit organisation that is actually registered as a church. And um, they run this brilliant cafe that all the locals love and rave about. And they see, their perspective is, every person that walks through that front door of that cafe is someone in their parish. Someone in their congregation, and um, and it's a, once again, it's a different perspective. So, so we the, the first question people ask is, so when do they hold the church service? Once again, if we take that bigger perspective of you know all the world is God's in the first place, yes, we can organise There's a little discipleship community that does get together, but the impact that this cafe has made, and and this was a surprising thing to me. I, I didn't realise this would happen when when we first set out to do this sort of stuff, but. This business has made every other business in the street think about their business. So they're employing asylum seekers in here. Um, Once a month there's an amazing Tamil feast and and a guy who was uh, locked up um, in one of the detention centres who's out tells the story as he cooks this beautiful um, Tamil feast about his journey to Australia and how He's still separated from his um, his wife and children hasn't seen them for eight years and and uh, telling the story so the pub now has given up their backyard and has made a community garden and and employing some of the people that are coming through now and not yet so so I think now and not yet it's one of the first places to ever have a like a deaf kitchen hand and so they've they've had to change the systems a bit I think there's a couple of taps on the shoulder for you know, a hot pot coming through, but they've changed the system. But the pub's been, and the cafe down, cafe down the corner is like, well, what are we doing to compete? <laughs> how, how do how do we? So so if we've got this kingdom mentality, that um that says that, you know, the world is God's, and and how do we how do we use what we've got in order to to shine the light of the kingdom? We need a now and not yet in every high street in Victoria to be able to be at witness into the other businesses that, that are there about what it looks like to build the kingdom of God, what it looks like to show the reign of Jesus in our world. What does it look like? The early church grew exponentially. They didn't need mission. They didn't need a mission strategy. They didn't need a spectrum. They didn't need an innovation diagram. The early church grew for two two reasons, I think. And, and anthropologists would Say the same thing, they grew because people were astounded by the way they cared for for the outsider, so they would go and engage people with plague and all. and remember you know uh, medical systems are uh, medical understanding is you know very limited then so so the idea that you might go to someone who's got a temperature or a, you know, a disease or something and, and go and hang out with them just it blew the Roman empire 's mind that people would actually go and do this inspired by Jesus and the other thing that made it grow is that um, people could see the love the Christians had for each other as well so not just those on the outside that was important to to love those on the outside and we see that all the time you know the most phenomenal call ever is to love your enemy my goodness you know everyone can love people they love but to love your enemy that, like that that's that's amazing, but the Romans also saw that the Christians weren't just being nice to each other; they're actually loving each other, and that's at the heart of our our mission strategy for for the Baptist, for our Union of Churches is to grow in love, because that's what's going to change people's hearts, not not your projects, your programs, or whatever. It's your, that ability to love. Let me just uh, pray as we as we finish up. Created God, thank you so much for our ability to come and gather this morning. Empower us, though, as we go out this week. Empower us into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and beyond to be your presence, to love those that are hard to love and to love those that we should love more. Help us be that loving presence in in your world. Help us to take hold. Help help us to see where you're already at work And thank you for the privilege of being invited into that work with you. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us as we go. Amen.